Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Show. If you ever wanted to get into commercial property but don't know how to, this is the show for you. We're going to take you through live market updates, how to put a deal together, what the experts say about commercial property and real life investor journeys and how they became financially free through commercial property. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Sometimes you might consider syndicating or bringing a group of friends or colleagues together to buy a larger commercial property. This is often done through lots of doctors who syndicate together to buy a medical centre or essentially if you have some lazy money riding around, so maybe the money that came from an inheritance or money that's come from a property and you don't want to go in alone and buy a property in this current market because you're not getting the returns, a lot of people syndicate or go into a fund and access larger property deals and also deals around Australia. Now, whether that's right for you or not, that's entirely up for you to decide. I interviewed Rob in this podcast so that he can run through what exactly is a syndication, what it would achieve for you, and how that would work for you if you were to join a syndication. So join me for this podcast as I run you through what a syndication is. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Commercial Property Roadshow. You're here with Helen Tarrant, and I've got Rob here from Acure Asset Management. Now, one of the big things about what we do here in the commercial property space is about showing the opportunities in the market and that there's multiple ways to invest in the commercial property space. For some of you, you want to go and invest on your own, and that may be anything from a 500 mil or $5 million property. But for some of you, you might be really, really busy. You might want to diversify. You might have money sitting in self-managed super fund, or you might have had an inheritance and you're just really too busy to look at investing on your own. And sometimes you want access to the higher level properties. So the stuff that are the 10 mil, the 20 mil properties, probably potentially with some uplift that you just can't access on your own. So the other option to do this is obviously through syndication. So there's multiple ways you can choose a couple of your friends or family come together and do a deal, or you can join a group. Or alternatively, you can choose to go with an asset manager, go into a fund and go through that way. So there's multiple options. It's about showing you the options. So that's why I've got Rob here today to talk about uh, the different options. So hi, Rob. Hi, Helen. How are you? And thank you for having us on today. Great, great. So tell us firstly a little bit about your company. What is it you guys actually do? And just what is the rationale behind bringing the fund together or creating it? Thanks. Acure Asset Management is a wholesale property syndicator. So we raise money from wholesale investors and we invest that money. We establish commercial property syndicates. You know, there's a large spectrum of property that you can invest in and we tend to focus on income yielding commercial property. So commercial property that's got a tenant that pays rent and we then deliver a regular stable income yield to the investors. It's all about typically the structure with a property syndicate is pretty typical for the industry. It's setting up a, a unit trust that we then raise money and each investor gets a units in a unit trust. And really what we see is the benefit of having a syndicate like a cure is that you get access to professional management. It is an active asset class. And when things do go wrong and they invariably go wrong from time to time, you've got a professional manager that can deal with the problems and rectify the situation and deliver growth and deliver investment returns to the investor. So just to clarify, it's a wholesale fund. Just explain that a little bit. What does that mean? Sure. So look, you've got with ASIC, you've got two different types of investors. You've got your retail investors and you've got your wholesale investors. Retail investors are typically what they refer to as your mum and dad type investors that require a different set of disclosure 
when raising money. So you've got a prospectus or a, or a product disclosure statement, PDS. With what we focus on is wholesale investors. They are sophisticated investors. They tend to have experience and they tend to have the wealth and knowledge required to assess these investment opportunities that we provide. And look, there is a reduced level of disclosure. Information memorandum is prepared, not a prospectus or PDS, but a information memorandum tends to summarise more the information required and has less disclosure. But we offer any investor that would like to access more information when assessing and making their decision, investment decision, we give them access to the full due diligence of our reports, which is valuation and consultant reports. But typically to get become a wholesale investor, you require a, an account certificate that certifies you as a wholesale investor. Is there a minimum amount of money that they need to invest into a project or a deal you're doing? Typically, our investment minimum investment size is $100,000 and differs from syndicator to syndicator and trust to trust. But we think that's an amount that's achievable. And of course, you know, they can increase and, and go more than that as well. Okay. So show us some examples of what you guys have previously done because maybe some assets that the, how you could troubleshoot them and what's happened yeah, in, in the past. Yeah. Perhaps I'll just say that uh, Acura started in 2012. We've established 17 syndicates to date in the commercial property sector across all sectors. We've had uh, we've got office assets, we've got industrial assets, we've got shopping centres, we've got hospitality assets, and we've got uh, fuel truck stops as well. What I'll do now is just share with you a couple of examples of some case studies of, of what we've achieved and how we've achieved it. One of the options is, you know, there's that diversification. One of the big things that people miss in commercial property or any kind of property is that they don't diversify enough. And then because I think we've learned through the pandemic that you've really got to diversify your people who have invested everything into Melbourne sort of had got hit hard, uh, whereas people who've sort of left Melbourne and invest in different areas. Uh, but a lot of states came through differently, you know, Brisbane really sort of went ahead and Gold Coast sort of had a real surge, but we saw the ACT was became really stable uh, because they didn't have anybody with job losses with all government type tenants. So that's every state behaves differently. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good point, uh, Helen. And that's really where syndicators come into their own, you know, they they provide investors with the access to larger properties uh, nationwide that they perhaps couldn't do uh, individually themselves. A great example is, you know, you've got $250,000 stay to invest and you could buy a commercial property, maybe half a million to a million dollars. Whereas if you invested that into a syndicate, you could get access to get a 2% interest in a $20 million commercial asset. And when you get bigger assets, you tend to get better tenants and de-risked as well. All right, so this is some case studies I've just put together. This first one was a, it, it's a large format retail property in Western Australia. It started its life as a master's home improvement center. We ended up we did a deal with Woolworths to develop and own a master's home improvement centre. A lot of people would know Woolworths reversed their decision to go into this sector. And after two years after purchasing the property, Woolworths told us that they would like to, they're discontinuing their master's business. So in that instance, what we did, we immediately negotiated, contacted Bunnings. It was a great site. And we renegotiated a, a new lease with Bunnings. They took on the asset 
Our investors didn't miss a beat. They got their distribution yield continuing to be paid. We bought that asset for, excuse me, $29.5 million, sold it for $49.5 million, and we sold it to another large REIT, Charter Hall. You know, bought it, we, you know, we bought it well and we sold it on a 4.5% cap rate. As a wholesale syndicate, we tend to focus on properties that deliver value, end up buying sort of in the 8 to 9% passing yield. And, you know, we're certainly sellers in the in the four to five percent. That particular property delivered an eight percent average distribution yield to investors, got a capital gain of 84% on their individual unit price, and delivered a 17.6% IRR to investors over the investment term, which was about six years. So during that time, you guys actively managed and everyone got an eight percent return on their cash, right? And then it was sold, they got a portion of the sale, the capital growth of that. That's correct. So in this example, and they invested at a dollar and they would have got a dollar eighty four back in capital as well as eight percent on their dollar for the six years. Uh, and that was paid on a regular monthly basis. The next example was a, an industrial property again in WA. This was a two and a half hectare site in metropolitan Perth. Uh, we had a mining services, Tenant. What we did here, we bought the property with a one year left on its lease, and then we negotiated an extension to that uh, lease for 15 years, which delivered significant value. This particular property we purchased for 8.6% on a 10% yield. We ended up selling it last year for 16 million, and that achieved a 86% growth in the value of the property. And over that term, we delivered a 13% income yield to investors on their investment. We delivered a $2.08 on their $1 unit price, 108% uplift, and an 18.3% income uh, IRR on their investment. And it just shows that, you know, with commercial property, you know, having that safe income yielding asset can still deliver significant returns. And a lot of that is delivered through, we were lucky enough to have a lower interest rate environment which reduced cap rates. We had cap rate compression, but we also had a fantastic tenant that was very successful in the mining and services industry and uh, a long-term lease. Just with um, with something like the one you said, it was 8.6 mil, uh, sort of a 10%. With that, this is a single, so that the fund only owns that one asset. So in, in that, that actual pretty. setup, when you're raising that, you go, well, there's a chance. What kind of criteria do you look for when you're looking at, at deals like this? I mean, this one has a typically one-year lease. Is this just identified a lot of people? Well, how do they know that, you know, you're buying at a really high yield, but how do yeah. they know that it's going to extend, right? What is the backup plan? What are some of the considerations that chose this one over something else? I mean, these are the things that our viewers are going to be thinking about in their head when they're looking at this case study. Yeah, look, it's a good question. And, you know, a cure tends to, you know, as I said before, it focuses on value first doesn't matter what sector, we're sector agnostic, we look for value. And uh, this particular example, we saw an industrial property, which we like industrial. We thought we'd buy, typically we buy off market. So we negotiate directly with the vendor, sometimes through an agent, but it's off market, which tends to deliver better outcomes for wholesale investors. This particular one, we had, we could see that whilst there was only a, a one year term left on the lease, it was a tenant that had been there a long time and we were buying it at a value that we felt represented good value from a dollar per you know capital value a dollar per square meter basis 
And that even if that tenant walked, we could find another tenant and at good value that would deliver good uh, income returns. But we felt comfortable that we had a tenant that was going to stay. We engaged with that tenant uh, directly and we were comfortable that it was going to extend its lease. And, you know, when you're looking for those opportunities that are off market and high value, you tend to look at the vendor. You know, what are they selling? Who are they? Why are they selling? And, you know, that sometimes plays largely into the considerations of getting a good deal. Let me point you another example. This was another industrial asset, again, in WA. It was in a heavy industrial area, a nine-hectare site on a strategic coastal industrial precinct south of Perth. Now, this tenant was a supplier of water infrastructure to the state government. It was it had been there, again, a long time. And it happened to be that this site was in the ocean right in front of this site was identified by the state government for a new container port. Uh, It was considering relocating the container port from Fremantle down to an offshore site in Coogee. So we negotiated. We held this property for about eight years. We bought it for $21.5 We negotiated with the government, given it was strategically positioned and right in front of the outer harbour that was being proposed by the government. We ended up negotiating with the government rather than going to a compulsory acquisition. So I bought it for 21 and a half million, sold it for 40 million. That was an 86% uplift in value. We delivered an 11% regular income yield to investors, as well as 107% uplift on their investment, and which delivered an 18.6% IRR to investors. Uh, again, a good outcome for uh, really an asset. That's that you guys got on at the moment. We tend to look at uh, value. During COVID, we were looking at office asset. During COVID, about uh, the future of office. Uh, Melbourne and Sydney were going to be the hardest hit in terms of office assets and valuations. But So we focused on multi-tenanted offices in cities that weren't necessarily restricted by public transport getting their workforce in and out. So we looked at Adelaide and we looked at Queensland and we ended up buying an office asset in Adelaide for 18 million and within 12 months we had it revalued to 22 million. And last year we bought an office asset in Gold Coast and again, multi-assets, you get the smaller tenants. Uh, This work from home is not such a big impact and that asset, you know, the Gold Coast has been going through a large, very large population from the remnants of COVID. You've got Melbourne, uh, Victoria and Queensland, large populations heading up to Queensland and the Queensland and Gold Coast property and office market is experiencing very tight occupancy measures. Uh, They're down to about 6% vacancy in Gold Coast and that asset's doing well and we'll probably get that revalued shortly and we expect to get a bit of an uplift on that. So look, where are we seeing value at the moment? The hospitality sector. So during COVID, again, it was an asset that a lot of these hotels and hospitality assets got uh, hit hard through lockdowns. The owners at the time were really, their balance sheets were under pressure. So coming out of COVID, uh, with the COVID restrictions being released, we saw a lot of uplift in uh, activity and we saw vendors then starting to wanting to sell their properties to repair their balance sheets. In the last 12 months, we have established a a new syndicate. Uh, Typically, we go for a single asset syndicate. This particular one, we thought it'd be good to have a bit of diversity. Diversity both in terms of geographic location, but also operating model because Hospitality assets can either be leased or they can be operated under a hotel management agreement. We've got two assets to create and we're looking to grow this portfolio. 
Uh, we, the, the initial portfolio comprises of a Siebel in Mandra, which is a, uh, a hotel that's operated under a, a hotel management agreement with the world's largest hotel operator, Accor. And the other asset was uh, Quest in Fremantle, in the port side city of Fremantle. What we've seen is domestic tourism being very strong with these two particular assets. That's a bit of a focus for us. And as COVID restrictions are reduced, then we will see interstate and international travel and tourism come and that'll boost uh, demand for these assets. But they're already very strong on a domestic demand basis. And that was one of the factors that influenced us on looking at these two assets. We looked at, bought them on a weighted average passing yield of 8.4%. But there's another metric we tend to look at, and that's on a dollar per room basis. Uh, we bought the Siebel in Mandra for $137,000 a room, uh, which you know, normal replacement cost is 300. So we think we got picked that up very well. And the uh, Quest in Fremantle, we picked up for 300. And that's a, almost a brand new asset that was developed uh, in 2016. And again, at replacement cost. So we see really tremendous rebound coming through. And we're seeing that through the stats that we're getting from the hotel uh, that we own, where daily average daily room rates and occupancy are increasing. So this particular syndicate, we are paying out initially a 7.5% distribution yield. We'll pay that quarterly, but we'll grow that as income grows and also as we acquire new assets, which will be accretive to earnings and accretive to the distribution yield as well. So I guess we've seen some case studies, but how do you, one of the things that everybody looking at this is how do you guys assess a deal? Like there they might be at any one time, 10 deals on the market, right? And how would you choose this particular property over something else? We talked about value. We talked about what you guys prefer to do, but how do you, do you pick one over the other? Yeah, look, it's a good question. We look at probably 80 to 100 uh, opportunities a year. We probably buy two or three. And as I said, our, our focus is on value. We also, which I also mentioned, we also look at the vendor uh, because we look at off-market opportunities. And we get off-market opportunities mainly through our network with agents and vendors uh, alike. But looking at, you know, why we choose particular properties, it is... We look at uh, the value metrics tend to be similar across all sectors, which is, you know, your passing yield. Again, we focus on properties that can deliver investors a, a 7 to 8% uh, starting income yield. And we look to grow that over time. We look at, you know, typically your uh, capital value, which might be dollars, uh, you know, purchase price per room for the hospitality sector, or it might be purchase price per square metre of net lettable area for an office or a, a shopping centre, or it might be dollars per square metre of site value for industrial. It's very important that, you know, you assess your uh, factors, which like, you know, if a tenant does leave, how can you make sure that you can, is it an attractive property that you can release it and release it at the current market value? And how long has this tenant been there? How long is there, uh, would you expect it to be staying there? Uh, is there an opportunity to extend the lease? You know, is there a additional value that we can extract out of the property developing greater NLA or assisting the tenant to expand or just increasing rent. There's a variety of different ways and different sectors produce different opportunities, but we always resort to looking for value. You know, value is assessed in different ways, but typically we try and uh, you know, we don't care which sector it's in. We just make sure that all our, we reduce our uh, risk factors 
of tenancies and uh, we look to deliver uh, a stable income yield to investors. Probably got a few more questions that our investors normally ask is that, so the, take us through your vetting process. Um, a lot of questions around that, that DD process. I think that comes up more and more as every deal that not only that we do, but our community keeps asking, you know, because in this market, it's sort of, how do you define a yield? It's, it's almost everywhere. <laughs> You've got people who are buying, you know, 4% at the last Burgess Rawson auction yeah. in Townsville. And then you've got people who are buying 3% in Melbourne. So it's like, well, what does that? And obviously at a larger level, you know, you get a higher yield, but sort of how do you guys do your DD? I mean, you don't have to go into detail. We know that it's a detailed process, but just so that investors know that this is a thorough process. We don't just look at the lease and that's it. Oh, absolutely. Look, we have our typical due diligence checklist, which requires engaging consultants for uh, both, both environmental, structural. We get lawyers in to assess the leases and uh, property title details. We get evaluation done. And, you know, if we see a demographic quad, we'll get a consultant to do that as well. So we're very extensive in terms of the due diligence we do. We make that available to investors if they require it or would like to have a look at it. But at the end of the day, focus on value. So that means that we look to, firstly, we look to look deliver a steady income yield of call it 7 to 8% initially to investors. So that means we're looking at properties have a passing yield of call it 8%. And how do you find properties that are pass, you know, that are delivering an 8% passing yield when, as you say, you might find there's lots of properties being sold at 4 and 5%. Well, you do that by looking at off-market opportunities. You look at the the vendor, you know, what's their motivation to sell? Are they private? Are they institutional? But also you tend to, you know, to be able to deliver that sort of value, you tend to look at sectors that are slightly unloved at the at that time. As an example, I did mention that we were looking at office assets during COVID when there was great uncertainty around the office sector. Uh, we chose a subsector of the office market that was uh, the we thought was resilient and going to survive. And, you know, so far we've been correct in our thinking. And, you know, given the uncertainty around the office market, that was reflected in values. And we were able to pick up uh, two office assets, uh, close to 9% passing yield. How do people get in contact with you? Like they want to find out what projects you've got at the moment. Um, what we typically do is uh, people can check our website, which is cuream.com.au. Uh, uh, we've got our current opportunities on our website, but they can also just register with us, give us their email, and we can shoot out every time a new opportunity comes up. But I would be more than uh, happy to have a conversation with them directly, talk about what they're after and what we've currently got. And why we like the investments that we've got yeah. and, and especially the ones we've got on offer. There'll be links and information below in the description of this video. So you guys can click on that link and go straight there. Or alternatively, you can always email us, you know, helen at unicorn.com.au. We will give you a direct referral. It's all about, and the reason we have this show is that it's all about unbiased opinion out there for you guys to have multiple avenues of investing in commercial property and, and to have that diversification. On that note, thank you, Rob. Thank you for being here today and showing us the case studies because it's always always really good and um if you guys are interested please there's information below find out more yeah do reach out to rob and his team so thank you thank you very much for the opportunity and thank you to all the listeners thank you Hope you enjoyed that podcast on syndication. Now, if you're starting out in commercial real estate, your first step is probably to obtain your own commercial property rather than syndicate. So it's entirely up to you whether you want to go down the road of syndication, investor pod deals, or doing a joint ventures. If you're doing uplift projects, commonly that's done as a joint venture, 
or with three or four other people in a syndicated group deal where you can buy out a whole property on its own and then go for either development or investment loans. Alternatively, if you're looking at buying large childcare centers or medical centers, that is something, again, worthwhile thinking. But however, when you first start out in commercial real estate, it's important to get your foot in the door. And for some of you, that may be an investment of 100 grand through a syndication or an investor pod or a joint venture deal. For some of you, it is actually waiting out a little bit longer and buying your first commercial property. Regardless of what it is, check us out. We have books, we have events, and we have challenges and lots and lots of free advice out there and unbiased advice on commercial real estate. Check out our YouTube channel, other podcasts, and let us help you build cash flow rich portfolio through commercial property. So here I am Helen Tarrant from Unicorn Commercial Property signing out. Let me know if you want any other topics on commercial real estate, do drop me a line, helen at unicorn.com.au and hopefully I can help you. You've been listening to Commercial Property Investor Show. Tune in to the next episode to find out how you too can replace your work income with passive income through commercial property.